You're listening to Warsaw Evangelical Presbyterian Church's podcast. We'd love to worship with you today. Today's message comes from Senior Pastor Aaron Klein. Well, this morning, it's uh, hard to believe we're actually leaving Hebrews behind. It's uh, been an old friend of ours for the past uh, 25 weeks. And uh, this morning, we're starting a new sermon series together. Uh, A sermon series, as you can see, that we're calling Stuck. I want to ask you, how many of you have ever made a decision in your life where you look back and wish that you had made a different decision? We probably all have, right? You know, you look at your lives, and you think about the things and the choices that you've made. Perhaps you come to a fork in the road, and maybe you're in a place where you've made that decision, and you live with regret, and you end up getting stuck. I think we all have those moments when we look at our lives, perhaps we come to a fork in the road, and you're not sure what decision to make, and so you don't make any decision at all. Maybe you feel like you get stuck. Or, or maybe you've made a poor decision in the past. And the result is you're afraid that you're going to make another poor decision. And so what do you do? You don't do anything at all and you get stuck. Sometimes you'll encounter people who want to live so within the will of God that they come to a fork in the road and they're not sure what decision to make because they so want to honor God with the decision. They're like, I I don't know what to do. And so sometimes you end up seeing them get stuck. Sometimes you do run into people, though, who plow straight ahead. They don't even ask God about the decisions that they're making, uh, and they find themselves making mistakes. What happens? We end up getting stuck. Now, here's what's interesting is the reality is you and I make a thousand little decisions every single day. Right? You know, you, you woke up this morning and you had to decide, am I going to go to church this morning or am I going to stay in bed? Now I would look at you and say, you have chosen wisely. <laughs> right? Uh, but think about it. You, you, other decisions like, uh, okay, should I brush my teeth this morning if I'm just going to have coffee afterwards and have coffee breath? Right? Should I, should I have breakfast this morning? If I have breakfast, what should I have for breakfast? When I'm finished with breakfast, should I put the dishes in the sink or should I put them in the dishwasher? And if I put them in the dishwasher, should I rinse them first? The answer in our house is always yes to that one, by the way. Right? But think about the different decisions that you make. And afterwards today, you're going to have to make decisions. Okay, after church, do I stick around for connection hour? Do I stick around and chat a little bit? Uh, do we go home? Or do we stop off for lunch on the way? Or do we stop at the grocery store and pick up some food on the way home? Should we go and see a movie a little bit later on? Should I, well, should I set out my clothes for tomorrow? And what am I going to wear? Right? I mean, think about all of the different decisions that you make during the day. The point is, you and I are used to making all of these decisions, but most of those decisions don't have a greater impact in our lives. These are the things of the everyday-to-day experience. Most of us are not like that neurotic character Bob, right? And what about Bob? You know, where it's like every little decision that I make, I'm fearful of what I'm going to do. Those of you who get it, thank you. 
others of us perhaps are th- more mindful of like the the big decisions of life if i'm going to make a movie reference how about another one right how about uh you know the last crusade indiana jones in the last crusade and you know he's got to save his father and which cup of christ do i choose and then you don't want to hear you have chosen poorly Right? And think about the the death that comes about, right? So you want to make wise decisions. And we think about some of the big decisions that we have to make in life. I think these are some of the things that we can sometimes get stuck around. Questions like, you know, should I stay in the job that I'm in right now? Or should I move and, and try to take on another job? Do I stay in the vocation that I'm in now? Or do I look for another entire vocation? Should we move our family to a new area, or do we stay where we are? You know, should we move from Warsaw or Winona Lake and move to another area? Should I go to college? Uh, What should I do after I graduate from college? Uh, Should I get married? You think about all of the different decisions that you and I make. Some of you, maybe you're in a relationship with somebody and, you know, you're thinking about how that relationship is going. And maybe last time you shared and maybe you felt like you overshared and now maybe you're trying to figure out, well, do I share with this person again because I'm not sure they're going to trust me if I'm sharing and then now the relationship is a little bit weird. And so, you know, you think about all of the different decisions that we make. Now, here's the hard part about decision making is not every decision that we have to make is like a black or white decision. Right? Not every decision that we make where we can turn to the Bible and say, okay, uh, what's listed here in the Bible about this decision? Should I or shouldn't I do this? I've seen people get stuck when it comes to this, where God has opened the door to a couple of different jobs, and they want to do the will of God. They, they, they say, I want to honor God in the decision that I make, but here's what happens. God has opened the door. But they're not sure what job to take. And so then they're like, well, I don't know what to do, so I'm not going to do anything at all. I'll just stay where I'm at. And and you're like, well, wait a second. Because you're so afraid of making sure that you want to do the will of God. And I love that. But the problem is, is when God opens these doors and then you don't step through the ones that God has opened. I think part of it is they've they've done the analysis They've looked at both companies. Both companies are good and ethical companies. But then they just say, well, I, I just don't know what to do because I want to be still in the will of God. And I, and I would have to encourage them and say, no, here's the point. God has opened both of these opportunities. No matter what one you step into, I think that you're going to flourish because we're going to see how you want to honor God with the decision. And you view everything that you do as working for God and not for people. So no matter what decision you make, I believe God is going to bless that. And if things don't work out, well, we believe that God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So no matter what decision you make, you're going to seek to honor God with that. Now, the flip side to that, the flaw of decision-making process, is the false thinking that just because it isn't wrong— well, then it must be right. That just because it's not wrong, that it won't have a devastating impact in our lives. You and I know that we can have decisions that lead to disaster in our lives and the lives of the people around us. You know, how many of us, I've said to Nicole, if I ever write a book someday, then the title of the book is going to be All It Takes Is Once. 
Because that covers a whole lot of things in life. Good things as well as bad things. And, and we know that sometimes we think, well, just this once. And, and we can look at, at our lives and say, like, wow, that has led to some devastation in these choices. I, w- I was thinking about that this week. How many of you saw in your news feed uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, that crop duster who's just west of us on 30 in uh, Hannah, and it made national news because this crop duster flew down. In fact, I, I've got the, the video here for you. Take, take a look at this. It's Hannah crazy. Shows a crop duster barely making it past a semi on the road. The man who took that video says he saw the crop duster from a mile away. He says he had never seen one flying this low over the highway, and it took the video. Crazy. I've seen that guy. Right? And you know crop dusters are kind of crazy anyway, right? The way they have to fly in and over highways like that. And now, and maybe he was looking at the, the power lines that were right there. But you know, he's thinking, well, all right, just this once, I'm going to fly in, I'm going to fly it out, whatever it is. But you think about that decision could have led to disaster if he was a fraction of a second slower. It would have led to disaster for him. He would have died. You would have seen perhaps that semi-crash, the pileup after that. So you can see the disaster that could have come about just from making a simple decision to fly in the way in which he flew. Now, here's what I want us to understand in all of this. That there are specific things. We're going to turn to the word this morning. There are specific things in the word that are very clear for us. You know, I mean, you can turn to the word for things like marriage and human sexuality and lust and greed and lying and cheating and stealing, as well as a whole host of other things. And so what we find is, though, many of the decisions that are around us are not necessarily about right and wrong, as we're going to be talking about throughout this series. It is, what is wisdom? What is wise thinking versus unwise thinking? And thankfully, Scripture is filled with examples for us of what it means for us to show wisdom in the decision-making process. You know, what does it mean for us to show wisdom? Is it just wisdom and whether or not to walk across the street? Is it wisdom about, you know, making a mistake-free life? Wisdom is the lens by which we look at the world. It's an opportunity to take a step back and to assess kind of where you are. And that's what we're going to be doing is throughout this series just trying to say, why, how do you and I make better decisions, make wise decisions? And we'll find these different opportunities arising throughout this series. You know, since we're already talking ab- about planes, uh, let me give you a- another little example. Uh, a lot of you know that uh, one of the hobbies I enjoy is model RC flying. Uh, something that I have uh, memories doing as a kid with my own dad when I would go to the flying field. Uh, and something that I picked up a little bit later on. Nate started in it, and then his best friend and his dad got involved in it. So I got involved in it. Uh, and so I've had numbers of different planes over the years. Uh, you know, a lot of them are more a- aerobatic type planes. They're like 55-inch wingspan type stuff. Uh, some gas-powered, nitro-powered, some uh, electric. Some, a lot of them are aerobatic. Some are uh, probably what you might consider more um, like military planes. Uh, but I, I can tell you, I, I've, I've had some mishaps along the way, you know. Uh, I've put some in on occasion, you know. In, in one occasion, I, I had this P-51 Mustang, and I came inverted over the field, and instead of pushing up on the sticks and bringing it around, I pulled back, and I went right into the ground, you know. <laughs> like, oh, no. Another time, I was flying along the wing, just 
flew off and, you know, that well, it crashed, you know. Uh, another time I'm with a friend and uh, flying and all of a sudden there's, I said, John, I don't, I don't have any control anymore. Like the electronics had just gone poof. Uh, and that was it. And so you're like just standing there hapless as you just kind of watch it crash. And then, you, and then you have to make the walk of shame, right, with the plastic bag out there like, oh, man, you know, put all the pieces in. You know, I, I say that because a lot of us are familiar with planes, black boxes, right? Uh, here's what's interesting. Did you know a black box, you're going to see a picture, is not actually black? <laughs> it's actually orange. So that, that's a black box. Uh, but it's actually called a flight data recorder. And a flight data recorder is recording at least 88 data points two to three times every single second. And, and the thing that they, they cover is like turbulence and, and, and how your engine is and your throws, your wings, all kinds of, of different things that they're focusing on. Here's what's interesting about flight data recorders. We often think that they are simply used to tell you what happened that caused the crash. But you also have to recognize they not only tell you what happened and what caused the crash, but they are also used to say, how do we stop things like this from happening in the future? And so you'll see like entire types of planes get grounded for a little while in order to use the data that's produced from that flight data recorder to be able to say, okay, how do we make sure this doesn't happen across this whole fleet of planes? And that is what I pray. Now, there's a lot of setup this morning, but I, that's what I pray this entire series is all about, right? It's, it's kind of a, a, a black box or the flight data recorder. It's trying to say, hey, before you crash, what are the things that you need to be aware of? What are the, what are the data points that you need to be thinking through? And then to think, if you have crashed and you feel like you've crashed and burned, well, all right, what have you learned? How, how do you put the pieces of your life back together again? And the good news that I want you to hear this morning is that God's grace is always at work, both before the crash as well as after the crash. God never leaves us or abandons us. God is at work on both sides because he wants us to learn how to make better and wiser decisions, but also when we do fall to pick us back up again, to say, you know what, you can continue moving forward in faith. So this morning, I mean, maybe you're here, maybe you feel like you've kind of crashed and, and burned. Uh, maybe you feel like you're trying to recover from the crash. Here's what I want you to know, is that this is a safe place, that this is a place of hope and of healing and of recovery. And you and I are going to be able to experience better lives of wisdom as we're going to talk about today, when we attune our hearts to God. So what does it mean for us to attune our hearts to God? Well, I want to encourage you this morning, if you've brought your Bibles, we're going to be opening up to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1, we're just going to be looking together at those first seven verses. And, and Proverbs is what you might consider uh, wisdom literature. Uh, there's books that are, are there in your Bible, like Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, those are all what we might consider wisdom literature, though most people probably think of Proverbs or Ecclesiastes, but I want you to hear now the reading of God's word. We're going to pick up at the first verse. We're going to read through verse 5 right now. 
This is kind of the purpose and the theme. It kind of begins, what what are we going to be studying together? It says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that from it and through it, we can learn what it means to live lives of wisdom, seeking to make wise decisions as we navigate this life. Lord, we know that we do not do it on our own. We do it in your strength, with your word, as we will hear today with the strength and guidance of others, we pray that you will open your word to us, that you will open our hearts to receive what it is that you have for us today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if I were to ask you today what it means to be wise, what, what would you say? You know, sometimes we might think, well, wisdom is being smart. Of course, we know there are people who can win every single game of Trivial Pursuit, or they can win every game of of Jeopardy. They know every fact and figure, but it doesn't necessarily make them wise, right? There's a difference between being smart and being wise. Verse 2 of our passage this morning, we see this Hebrew word for lehabin, and what it means translated is to mean insight. It can also be translated to discern or to understand. All of us have probably been in meetings before, and there are certain people in a meeting who are able to kind of like read the room. They're able to have an understanding and an insight that you might not be able to have. And so oftentimes those people with wisdom or insight, they're often maybe a little bit quieter. They're listening to the room. They're seeing things that you're not able to see. And then when they speak, it's like, oh, wow, that, that was wisdom. That was right there. That, and so you, you all know people that are probably like that. Of course, we all have the opposite experience, right? You know, you think about when you're teaching your children when they are little not to enter into a conversation that's not really theirs, right? So we recognize that, you know, you're having an adult conversation and all of a sudden your kid comes in and they want to start telling you about random things. And you're like, whoa, wait a second, honey. You know, that, that's... You, wait, back up, this wasn't for you, this wasn't a part of the conversation, or sometimes you'll see they want to be a part of the conversation, but they're not in the room, so they'll kind of make an excuse to come into the room so they can kind of be a part of the conversation, and you're like, guys, this, this one really isn't, isn't for you, uh, you weren't a part of it prior to that, so you, you know what it's like, right, to teach people who don't necessarily have that sort of wisdom or insight, and, and so what we're going to see is how wisdom involves insight as well as foresight, right? It, it's insight as well as foresight. Notice in verses 3 and 4, the writer of Proverbs talks about a prudent life. Now, prudence is not a word that we use that often anymore, right? You might hear, I mean, at least years ago, you would hear people say, oh, that person's a prude, right? So you're like, oh, okay, that person is no fun, right? That person is very serious. They're not risk takers. They're practical. They're safe. They're boring, things like that. But when we think about prudence, it is a way of acting that is wise, especially when it comes to making important decisions. It's used to describe people who have good discernment and judgment. They're able to see the consequences of their choices, 
prudent people usually take time to think before they act. They weigh all of the possible outcomes, and then they weigh the benefits and the positives, and they say, okay, should I make this decision or not? They're also able to look at the future and plan accordingly. People, wise people are not just characterized by insight, they are also characterized by foresight. They have the ability to see beyond the decision that they're making to how that might play out in the future. You know, I, you probably had that experience, I know I have, where you're talking with people and you might ask the question as they're trying to wrestle through a decision, you say, well, what do you think this is going to look like in five years or in ten years? Or in, in 20 years, you know, you kind of say, how do you think this is going to play out? Now, people who are wise have the foresight to be able to say, okay, I think that this is how this might play out sometime down the road. Well, when you come to the end of Proverbs chapter 1, you see in verses 31 to 32, uh, these people who don't have insight and who don't have foresight. And it calls them simple and fools. Notice what it says. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Now, in verse 32, the word there for simple is someone who is so out of touch with reality and so out of tune spiritually that they are like the type of people who are just blown about like a leaf in the wind. They simply blow wherever the culture is blowing them. And beloved people, we have, there's all kinds of implications when it comes to a whole host of contemporary issues, from, from marriage to finances to consumerism. Whenever people make decisions based on cultural momentum or simply saying, you know what, I want to be on the right side of history, what happens? People are like, hey, which way is the wind blowing? Okay, I'll lead, right? I mean, if people just want to go wherever it is, the wind is blowing. And the point is, when culture shifts or people's view of history shifts, well, then what ends up happening is we feel like we've ended up on the wrong side. Now, the point isn't to kind of rail against our culture. You and I know that we have seen huge, dramatic differences and changes in our culture in the last 10 years, 20 years, or even 30 years but instead of saying, how do I make decisions based on the culture and the things that are happening around me, the, the writer of Hebrews is saying, no, there is wisdom when you seek God in it. Notice that the other thing is simple is also the fool. In, in Hebrew, the, the idea of someone who's a fool is someone who thinks that they are wise, but they're not. They're actually they're only wise in their own eyes. This theme continues uh, throughout much of the book of Proverbs. It's, it's people who are set in their own ways. They're confident about what they believe. In many ways, it's the exact opposite of the simple. The simple person only cares about what everybody else around them is thinking, and they make their decisions based on that. A fool is someone who thinks that they are right in their own eyes. They're someone who's stubborn. They say, I despise correction. They're confident in their own prideful view of things. And the writer of Hebrews is trying to tell us, or <laughs> Hebrews, 
<laughs> I've been saying that for so long. Uh, the writer of Proverbs is trying to tell us that these two types of people are out of touch with reality when it comes to making wise decisions. So how do you go about uh, so that you don't fall into the category of being simple or being considered a fool? Well, let's go back to verse 7 this morning and we'll see what it says. It says this, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Oh, I want us to understand the starting point for wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Now, a lot of times when we think about fear, we think about our knees knocking, like we're scared of, of something. And I want us to understand, when we're talking about a fear of the Lord, we're not talking about being like scared in such a way that like our knees are not uh, knocking. We're talking about having a, a reverent, awe-inspired fear. There, there's something where you're in the presence of the greatness of God and you want to steward whatever that is well. You know, I, I think about, you know, how you might steward a painting well or a, a vase well. I, I was thinking about that this week uh, when, when my brother-in-law got married a number of years ago. Uh, it was in Chicago and we stayed at the Palmer House beautiful hotel. In fact, uh, they put us up in the executive suite. The executive suite had more square footage than our house, right? It was crazy. And then they stayed in the presidential suite. And in that presidential suite, there was the rehearsal dinner that was there afterwards, and there was an office. And our kids were little at the time, and so they were just kind of hanging out in the office, playing around. And, and her brother comes up and says, hey, I just want to let you know there are paintings on loan in here from the Art Institute of Chicago. Like, those are like priceless paintings or like million-dollar paintings, you know, and you're like, hey, kids, come on out, <laughs> you know? Like, in those moments, you're like, I wasn't afraid that the painting was going to hurt me, but I was afraid of my pocketbook, right? There's a fear of what might happen. You want to steward those things well. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about a fear of the Lord. It's not that God is out to get you. You know, and so you need to be afraid that God is going to hurt you in some way. No, it's about being in the presence of God and like Isaiah, being so undone in the presence of God, we're like, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. This is a healthy view of God that will help, make us, help us to make wise decisions. The fear of the Lord is about so attuning your heart to God, that it can define and shape the decisions you make. Rather than being defined and shaped by the cultural momentum around us or by our own prideful views, it is about allowing God to define the reality and then to make decisions based upon that reality. That way, even though we may not see that issue black or white in Scripture, we are allowing the fear of the Lord and a desire to pursue His will and His purposes drive us. So, if you are in a place where you feel like you are stuck in the decision-making process, my prayer is that Proverbs 1 and the things that we're going to be talking about throughout this series will help to function as a kind of black box for you. You know, we want you to be able to evaluate the different data points that are coming your way to be able to protect you from making that crash, but also so that you would know that there is grace 
after the crash. Now, what are some things for us to keep in mind? First of all, if you want to ask yourself some questions about what does it mean to ask questions of, that are, are leaning towards wisdom, ask yourself this, how attuned is my heart to God? You know, would, would you say that your heart is attuned to God, or would you say that you are drifting a little bit in that relationship? You know, are you spending time trying to study God's word and trying to know, God, what is it that you desire from me in this situation? Or has the busyness of life kind of taken you away from the opportunity to spend time in God's word? Are you in a place where prayer is an important part of your life and the decision-making process? Or do you just kind of feel like you maybe throw up a prayer here or there and you're just kind of making decisions and going without really consulting God and saying, God, what do you want about this decision? You know, the question is, are you nurturing your relationship with God, or are you taking that for granted? So just to ask yourself, how attuned am I to the very heart of God? Another question might be this, am I seeking wisdom? Am I seeking wisdom? Notice in, in Proverbs chapter 1, no, 4, 7, and 8, listen to what this says. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. You know, if you're in English class, you know you can't define the word by giving the word, right? But he's saying like, well, how do you get wisdom? Well, you, you get wisdom, right? And the point is this, that pursuing wisdom is one of the wisest things that you can do in life. It's more important than money, more important than fame, you know, more important than security, any of that stuff. He's saying, no, pursue wisdom. Now, the question is, how do you pursue wisdom? Well, James 1.5 tells us, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. And so we ask God, we say, God, help me to make wise decisions in my life. Third, ask does the Bible speak to this decision in any way, right? We understand that as we're looking at Scripture, sometimes you will find clearly in a, in a chapter and verse exactly what it is that you are supposed to do. God is never going to lead you contrary to what he has said in his word. So ask, God, have you said anything in your word where I can find how, how it is that I'm supposed to make this decision? Now, if you look at Scripture, you're like, I, 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 I don't know. Is it there? Ask this. Does it conflict with the counsel of others? You know, so is the decision that I'm going to make conflict with the counsel of others? God uses other people to speak into our lives. I am so grateful for my wife, for my children, for our elders who are constantly making me a better husband, a better pastor, a better father, all of those things. And so you seek out the wisdom of others. Now, the key is the wise, godly wisdom of others. If you're just going around randomly, you know, it's like you, you hit up the news like, oh, should I make this decision or not? You know, it's kind of like the magazines. You make a decision like, oh, 10 ways to a better you. And you're like, okay, that's a great, that's great wisdom. That's there. No, find people who are godly, who are wise, and ask them about the decision and saying, hey, can you help me process this? Ask this as well. 
does what I am doing conflict with the spirit within me? Right? God has given us the Holy Spirit as a helper and as a guide. And so you can ask the spirit, spirit, do, will you give me peace in this decision? Or is there unrest in, in this decision? Now, we always have to be careful because we can always sometimes mix up our feelings with what we think the Spirit is laying upon us. But again, this is why you go back to the Word, you go back to the counsel of others, you go back to prayer, but saying, Lord, as I'm making this decision, is your Holy Spirit, does it seem to be confirming the decision that I'm making? Or does the Holy Spirit seem to be saying, no, you need to stop? I think this is a good place for us to begin, to begin saying, Lord, how attuned is my heart to you by asking some of these questions? Now, for those of you this morning who feel like you've already crashed and burned, and you're trying to say, well, how do I make better decisions in, in the future? The first thing that you need to remember is that God is a God of grace and forgiveness. We have heard that all throughout this morning in the songs that have been sung, in the words that have been spoken, that God is merciful and gracious, right? He's slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love, right? So we understand the love and the grace of God. But listen to what David says in Psalm 130, verse 4. He says, But with you... There is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. To understand that if you feel like you've kind of crashed in your life right now, that you can come to a place where you ask God for forgiveness and to know that God in does, does forgive you. But then he also says, now you can go about and serve me and revere me. And so, beloved people, my prayer for us this morning and throughout this series together is that we will learn what does it mean for us to make wise decisions, especially if we feel like we are stuck. And this morning we begin by saying we attune our hearts to God. And so, this morning I, I want to give you an opportunity to have some space See, in just a few moments, we're, we're going to be asking God, our, you know, be my vision, be, be the one who is, is leading me. But I want to give you an opportunity to lean into that and to pray. And so as we close this morning and, and as we get ready to sing, I want to invite you just to pray. And I'll, I'll kind of lead us through that where if there's a point where you're like, Lord, I've got a hard decision in front of me. And I need some wisdom in, in what that decision is. Or maybe for some of you, you feel like you, you've crashed and burned and you're like, I, I need God's grace because I need to pick myself up again and I need to move forward and I, I need his forgiveness. And then to say, Lord, I, I want to live differently. So however that is going to look this morning, I want to invite you just to enter with me into a season of prayer, to open up your hearts, to say, Lord, I want to be in tune and attuned to your heart. So would you pray with me? Lord, we do give you thanks today for your word. We give you thanks that, Lord, you do not leave us. You do not abandon us. That, Lord, there is wisdom in your word. 
Lord, would you forgive us when we abandon it? When we live contrary to it? Lord, for some, maybe it's a matter that we've never really known your word. And so all of a sudden, as we, as we make some mistakes, it's like our eyes are open to a different way of living. And it's like, ah, I wish I would have known that before. Others of us, Lord, perhaps know your word, but then we, we live contrary to it. And Lord, we need to be reminded of how you have given it to us as the sure foundation by which we can live. Lord, maybe some of us this morning have decisions that we need to make. And honestly, we've searched the scriptures, we've been praying, but Lord, we're just not sure what to do. Would you surround us with wise counsel? Lord, would you perhaps reveal to us through your word a a new way of thinking about the situation that we hadn't thought of before? That you would give us both insight and foresight into that decision. We pray, Lord, that with whatever the decision is, that we may seek to honor you and to give glory to you. Lord, for those of us who've made mistakes and who have felt like, Lord, we have fallen hard, where, Lord, we hurt ourselves, we hurt others, but, Lord, ultimately, Scripture says that, Lord, when we sin, we sin against you. And against you only have I done what is evil in your sight. But God, we thank you for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that in him there is hope. There is forgiveness. And Lord, there is the opportunity to step forward once again, not in our own strength, but in the strength that you provide us. Lord, ultimately, Moving beyond being stuck is, Lord, about a relationship with Jesus. We pray that, Lord, that relationship with Jesus would either be birthed today or would grow today so that if we feel like we are stuck, we may move forward knowing that, Lord, it is your spirit that is going with us today. So, Lord, this morning we offer to you our hearts, we offer to you our lives, we offer to you our thoughts, we offer to you to you our decisions. May it all be done for your honor and glory. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you were encouraged by this message, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your podcast listening, and check out our other discussions and messages. To learn more about Warsaw Evangelical Presbyterian Church's worship services, ministries, and events, Visit us online at warsawpresby.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you again for joining us and have a blessed day.